Welcome to Mortally Wounded Podcast, episode 57. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm a host, James. And joining us tonight, we've got a special guest, first time on the show, Mitch Bug. Welcome, Mitch. How are you going? Thank you very much for having me on the podcast, boys. It's good to be here. Good to have you. It's going to yeah. be uh, a good one, I think. I'm keen it's to going to, be a wild, it's going to be a wild ride, hey? Let's strap in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, going to, awesome. we're going to be going all around the all around the globe um, over to, you, to hear all about Mitch's trip to Worlds, as Mitch was the recipient of the golden ticket from our event slaughter this year after Terence had to drop out. Um, Mitch was the second place, so kind of got that ticket there. So, um, yeah, we are both very keen to hear all about kind of your experience at Worlds. Um, but before we do, it's the tradition, first time on the show. So do you want to just tell us, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into this wonderful nerdy hobby that we all do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, let's take a trip down memory lane. Um, well, yeah, my name is Mitch Bug. I um, I got into competitive Age of Sigma probably a bit about maybe a year, three months um, ago. But I mean, I've been a Warhammer fan since I was a little kid. Like, I've got a twin brother, Christian. You might hear me mention him a lot um, on this podcast, but we're kind of joined at the hip. And uh, he and I got taken into um you know our local warhammer store when we were little kids and seen this fantasy box set and we thought you know holy crap this is pretty cool so jumped into that and we've kind of been painting models and playing games ever since but um yeah about a year and three months ago something like that um my twin brother said hey why don't we actually give this competitive game a run because before that we were just you know setting up models on the board like little army men and just knocking each other down and you know, just running a unit into another unit and just taking models off the board and no battle tactics or objectives or anything like that. It was just, you know, we just kind of throw things on the board. But, yeah, he suggested we give the competitive run a go and, you know, a year and three months later, here I am on the Mortally Wounded podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like you started off like playing like G.I. Joe's, just choose your own adventure. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> Yeah, it was literally that. And, like, it was more uh, – it still is to an extent. Um, I mean, I'll, I'm a sucker for a good-looking model, you know what I mean? And I'll always try and fit, um, you know, a cool-looking model into my army, especially if I love the lore as well around it, um, you know, because, we, like I said, we've been in a Warhammer lore for a long time as well. But, um, yeah. yeah, it was – I don't know why we never got into competitive play. I guess we probably thought um, – I don't know, maybe it was just going to be something that we weren't good at or something that we didn't fully understand or maybe something that we didn't – actually, that's probably a big thing, something we didn't know how to commit to. I At the start, I had no idea what an RTT was. I had no idea, you know, what any – like where are these tournaments? Where do I go? Who do I play and how do they play? You know, like do I need painted models? Do I not need painted models? So, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a learning curve, but, um, you know, I've quickly found that there's a – a big community out there you know just sigma are a great one and everyone's happy to help and point you in the right direction and 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 find these events to get to and it, it just snowballs you go to one meet some really cool people because there's plenty of those and you know find the next and the next and the next and before you know it you're a regular at local events and yeah you end up seeing people on the same table as you and hey man how's the family and <laughs> let's go again and yeah. roll some glass so yeah that's how it kind of turned out yeah, cool. And did you, how did, um, I guess, kind of Christian get the um, 
the idea to kind of get back in is there a local scene or sort of store near you guys that you sort of saw were doing regular like one dayers or, or anything like that or um well funny enough i um i worked for games workshop um head office for a couple of years actually in australia and then decided to run the local um warhammer store where i'm from um and that was actually the first warhammer store that got me into the hobby so it was kind of like a nice little we came full circle and now i'm running the store and I, I guess i got used to kind of putting on events in the store like little tournaments and things like that and i think that's what probably sparked christian's interest mostly um was he kind of seen you know those little tournaments is like actually how cool would it be to go to some of these big ones and you know we just assumed a lot of them were in sydney and rightly so um yeah and i think we just started really poking around um you know the tournament scene i'd actually left um you know the warhammer store by then and and that was kind of when i had enough time to get to these tournaments because you work in retail you work in weekends so there was not really a chance to get to these events but when i changed professions and it kind of opened up my public holidays and um you know and things like that um you know uh, weekends especially just to start getting to them, that's when we kind of started really diving into it yeah nice and do you have any kind of factions that you do you just play sort of one or two main factions or have you a bit of a hobby butterfly like me with a, a case full um, of all, all sorts of random stuff <laughs> dude i am a i'm a sucker for an army let me tell you that um i think i the passion to paint um is there and i i, I wouldn't say i'm the best painter in the world but i it got to a point when i was painting models I just used to paint these things and think, oh man, that's, that's not what's in my head. It doesn't look like what's in my head. And, and then I guess something switched and I kind of picked up a, a, a few techniques and these models I started painting turned out to be something that I approved of. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, let's go and paint this Seraphon model. Let's go and paint this. And that just snowballed into, um, I ended up having something like 11 fully painted armies at like, you know, 3000 points each or something like that. So I have had a lot of armies in the past. Um, but my one true love is destruction, um, and mainly orcs, um, that, like I said, that when we first walked into the Warhammer store and picked up the fantasy starter set, it was the empire against the orcs and goblins. So Christian took, um, you know, the empire, I took orcs and goblins and that was the love of green skins ever since. So yeah, my main love is, is orcs, um, and goblins and it kind of, you know, went into all destruction now. So I've got one of each army of destruction and you'll always see me rolling around with it. That's for sure. Yeah, cool. Well, obviously, yeah, you're, you're running the gits at, at Slaughter. So um, yeah, man, did you did you stick with uh, did you stick with the gits for Worlds or did you have to do some mm. hobby to get a different army ready for Worlds? Well, um, like I said, in the, in the stable, I've got a lot of fully painted armies. Um, and whatever I felt like playing was just a case of pulling something out and maybe just painting one or two units and adding it. So you are right. I did pay, I did play, um, Gloom Spike Gits at Sydney Slaughter and that was a lot of fun. I had an absolute blast. Shout out to, to Terence Voller. Um, yeah, good chap. I'm at Sydney Slaughter and, uh, part of the reason why I'm on this podcast, I guess. But, um, no, I did decide to play Iron Jaws, um, specifically Bloodtooth. Um, so a lot of the big, uh, the, the piggies. Um, and realistically, I think to get ready for worlds, I, I painted up a unit of six brutes and a weird knob shaman. So 
pretty easy paint project. Um, I had plenty of time to get ready for it, but I'd already, I've got something like, you know, 21, 24 pigs or something like that fully painted up. So it was just a case of, um, you know, getting those two units ready for Worlds. But at my local, um, you know, monthly tournament, um, I've already been playing Iron Jaws the last couple of times and kind of finding my feet with them. And I think when it when it came to Worlds, I just looked at it and said, look, there may be better armies out there, better performing um, to, you know, if you listen to any of the Meta Watch articles or, or um, chats and things like that. So I could have run something a bit more meta, but no, I think the best pick is something that you play the best with and you're the most comfortable because over there we played a lot of games and it was over four days as well. And some of those days were 10, 12 hour days. So um, when you factor in the game times and breaks and, you know, hanging about, socialising, things like that. So I figured, look, I'll play the army I feel the most comfortable with and just have fun with it. I mean, I'm halfway across the world playing a game I love. Why not play the faction I love the most and the the kind of, um, you know, like the orcs, the, the guys that got me into the game? Why not? So, yeah, I played Iron Jaws and, and I don't regret it at all. Yeah, yeah cool. cool. I was going to ask sort of what was the, so you got the, you got the nod saying, Mitch, you're in, you've got the golden ticket, you're off to world champs. What was, was the lot, kind of, yeah. what was kind of the, the, the thinking through your head? Is it, okay, mm -hmm. I, I, want, I want to try and perform. I want to go and consider the social aspect and, and time. And you've kind of, I guess, covered that a bit in that you wanted to just well, take an army that you felt comfortable with and, and yeah. wasn't going to be too taxing mentally, I guess, to play over those four days. So. Yeah, that part's correct. I mean, what was I thinking when? So I believe it was Bathurst GT, if I'm not mistaken. Um, mm -hmm. Terence, um, Terence Voller, lovely dude, absolute gentleman of a human being, um, an amazing player at the game too. Um, he kind of approached me, um, I think the end of the first day or maybe the start of the second day at that tournament, and he just quietly said, look, um, you know, hey, um, I'm unable to go. Um, you know, I really want you to go and... And, and here's your spot. And I was over the moon, um, but kind of a two-edged sword, right? Like I, I kind of felt a little bit, not guilt or, or bad, but just a bit of disappointment that Terence couldn't go. Um, yeah. yeah. And we, we battled it out at Sydney Slaughter and I've played him um, before then, I believe, um, you know, another time on the table. And he's a lovely guy and I, I always want the best for him and the best for him would be to go over there and do it. But unfortunately, he couldn't make it. And, you know, um, it was bittersweet, but I was ecstatic. It's been a dream of mine to do something like this ever since I was a little kid. And, you know, I used to read the White Dwarf magazines and watch them hold, you know, the Slayer sword up for their, the painting competitions and they're in the middle of America somewhere and I was or Europe and I was kind of thinking, man, that'd be cool. But, yeah, no, I was really excited. And then when considering the army I was playing, when I knew that I could do well with this army. Um, how well? I don't know. Um but also part of it is the social aspect. I, I got a lot of that out of it um, as well as getting heaps close with the Australian guys that went over with me. That was so good. Some of the best memories of that trip were with them um, and that that's great. I think that's how it should be. If, if you're flying all the way over to, uh, to Atlanta to play a bunch of games just to win, I think you're missing out on the full experience. That's, that's my opinion anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, nice. And did you, obviously knowing that there was 
um, a few people from Oz, what was there, five, six in the end, I think, Australians that got tickets? Um, yeah, um, well, just quickly so I don't, I, don't, um, I don't get the number wrong, it was Joel Graham, the GOAT Graham, you know, we all know him. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's quite a heavyweight in the AOS community. He's an amazing player. Um, you know, we had Joel Graham, we had the likes of Tom Oliver, who's, who's you know, he's coming out of Australia, um, you know, swinging punches. He's a great player. And... David Salava, lovely guy. I believe he's from Victoria. Henry um, Henry Wagner, and I believe myself. I think we were the, yeah, we were the five that went over there. Um, and yeah, there was some, you know, there was a, we had the forty k um, team over there and the kill team yeah. um, over there as well. But you know, being the AOS guys, we just we formed a really tight knit group and we hung out and you know it was great. We had some great memories. Yeah. Did you have much um, crossover with the 40K kill team guys? Or were you just sort of um, like, hey, hey, you're Australian too. Yeah. Yeah, what's up, fellow Australian? What's going on? Um, we had uh, we all had Australian jerseys. So, um, you know, we, we met up um, before the event um, downstairs just outside the doors where all the games were being held in. They had like a quite an amazing looking... Um, Kind of like a Warhammer store, you could buy your products there, and they had a big Space Marine statue and and things like that. And we got photos in front of it, and we chopped it up a bit with them, and just had a quick chat. But yeah, for the most part, once it was once it was game time, it was you know it was game on. So we we didn't really get to see, or me personally, I didn't get to see a lot of them. Um, and then you know, post games after the day, we'd meet up with these um, AOS guys for dinner and, and things like that. Yeah. So no, I personally have a lot. Um, you know, to, um, I guess, to experience with them. I mean, they were in their own bubble as well. You know, yeah, exactly, the- yeah. So were we, and um, it was kind of a whirlwind that went really fast too. You always think you're going to have time to to catch up with more people and, it, you know, it kind of goes really quick. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was, um, the hotel you guys stayed at, was that in the same venue as the as the competition um so some of us stayed uh, it was held at the hyatt regency in atlanta um amazing venue i i love the look of it as wild it's huge uh, you know you caught some escalators downstairs and then there was another level below that and it was just where they held all these events and great venue um tom oliver and joel graham were staying um in that hotel i was actually a block away um okay. what happened was when get this ticket um you know games workshop will let you know hey we've got a certain block booked out for people who want to stay here unfortunately the block was already filled um you know like i guess r- rooms that have been secured and set aside for for these people i guess as i understood it um and that wasn't available so i stayed one block away but that was fine um i enjoyed um, my stay in my hotel and every morning it was pretty simple. I'd just wake up and, and walk to the Hyatt Regency and have breakfast downstairs and um, in would walk the other Australian guys. We'd just talk and, and have breakfast together every morning and dinner at night and it was fine. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, nice. Did it, Was there any sort of knowing that obviously all of you were flying over from Oz, appreciate you're all sort of – from Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, et cetera, but did any of you kind of travel together or did you all kind of just meet once you got to Atlanta? 
Um, it was pretty much that. Yeah, we all, well, we had a little Facebook messenger group um, called the a the AOS Bogans, um, and we uh, we we kind of, like we were we were chatting um, before and during. Like, hey, I've landed. Hey, I'm you know I'm I'm in um, I'm in, I'm in Dallas or I just landed at LAX. Where are you guys at? And yeah, we we talked and and we met up. Um, it was it was pretty cool. Like, remember the first day I got there? I, I think the first person I I met was um, my friend Tom Oliver, and I was just said to him, I was like, "How wild is this?" I was like, "We're standing in America in Atlanta, like you know, a couple of we're at the monthly you know one day tournament that we go to, and now yeah, I was like, it's, it's so funny. Like, I, it just kind of all hit me at once. I think it was yeah, it was good. Um, but yeah, we all ended up meeting up and we were talking. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, do you want to sort of give us a bit of an overview of how the sort of the format, I guess, of, of the World Champs? You, you sort of said it was some long days and over four days. So for people that might not have kind of followed it um, and, and not sure sort of what the format of Worlds was, do you, do you want to sort of run through how it worked and then kind of, yeah, give us a bit of a a run through of, of your days and your games and experiences with kind of as much or as little detail as, as you want to. Yeah. Um, appreciate the question. Um, well, let's start from uh, the basics, right? With how the tournament was run. Um, we played over four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now um, we were, it was run through um, Best Coast Pairings, BPP. Um, and what they would do is they had all the AOS players in there um but ahead of time we got our pods or our blocks so what they were was imagine it's just an excel spreadsheet right um and you might have you'd have a number of um plays in there that were all broken up into blocks um and the best two from those blocks um would end basically um kind of all verse each other in the finals on the final day so they broke us up into blocks um we played out the best two would move on um but we did know kind of roughly who was in our block before we got up on the first day. So I checked my block and I had, um, geez, I had a lot of good players, like players that people would know around the world. Um, if I'm not mistaken, um, I had people like Noah Singh um, in my block. Um, and you're kind of just going down the list and you're looking at all these heavyweights and things. And I'm kind of like, man, I'm just a kid from Oz. Like, what am I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you know, you're playing wild players, um, you know, Caleb Walters and, and and Scooter Walters, and you know, and then you've got, um, you know, you've got people like Joel Graham and all these all these heavyweight names. And it was actually cool, you know, and it showed basically their name and what their faction was. Um, and that was kind of how it was. It was like, oh, okay, well, I've got this. Like, just I'm given my army, I'm just hoping I don't have any Seraphim in my in my pod you know what i mean and if i do you just get hope. but um you know game time comes and i believe if i'm not mistaken it was two games the first day so two uh two games on thursday three on friday um i believe there was another two on saturday so what's that four on, yeah I, I believe that's right and then i think one on sunday um it, Mistaken. Um, like I said, it was a whirlwind. But basically, yeah, we played games. Um, first game, I lined up against a, a really, really nice American guy. 
um, named Zachary Shin, if I'm not mistaken. Now, the thing with Worlds was what they were trying to do is they actually like openly said, if it can be helped, you will never play one of your countrymen in the first round. So um, I believe Tom and Joel Graham that I was over there with, they were in the same pod. But, you know, unless it was highly, highly, um, you know, I guess it would be highly unlikely for them to verse each other. And they didn't first round. So I got Zachary Shin. Um, he was an American guy. Really, really nice. Um, I played his Caradron Overlords. Now, his Caradron Overlords, he was running that army of renown where it shoots and then on a four plus it just shoots again. Or it fights and on a four it just fights again. So, and I'd never versed that um all kind of um army before i versed ko but not the renowned thing so i'm very lucky christian has played a lot of armies he's predominantly a death player um and that is one of my strengths is playing into death armies so i was kind of feeling confident at least um going into this tournament death armies i'm pretty good with um i played a lot of armies in my time and had a lot so you know armies like sylvaneth or um you know, Seraphon and things like that. I kind of know what they do and how they work, and I was pretty confident there. But lined up against KO, and I had to say, even though Christian was a big KO player for a long time, I said, I go, so the way, how does this work? What, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, it all shoots twice, potentially. Like, this is going to be rough. Um, <laughs> he basically backboarded. I, I deployed and gave him first turn. Um, you know, he did what KO do. Basically, it, it's just turn one's a blitz. Like, they just blow things off the board. And... <laughs> um, you know, before it all kicked off, um, the tournament kicked off, I, I spoke to Joel and I'm like, how's this How's this going to work? What does this look like for me? What do you think? He goes, look, you can wear one turn of shooting. Just just don't, you know, just don't go first and get double turn because you won't have an army left, right? And you've got to remember too, like the, the tournament organisers gave us a big speech and they said, look, these players that you're playing against, they said, look around, a lot of these players, if not all of you, normally go 5-0 and at your local events. Like yeah. you, all, you all normally don't lose. Like you, you are the best of the best and you're not used to losing. Like, you know, you guys basically don't know what that's like for a long time. And now a lot of you may not even win a game. And they're like, you, you need to be prepared for that, right? So they gave us yeah. this big <laughs> It's up against Zach. I was like, oh, okay, let's see what happens. And, you know, he shot half my army off the board in the first turn. And then, you know, I... Ouch. Oh, yeah, Iron Jaws just do what Iron Jaws do. I, I didn't panic. I thought, no, nah, I listen to Joel. Joel, I, I look up to Joel in that regard um, with his knowledge about the game. And, you know, and I, I trusted what he said and, and it paid off. And that was the camaraderie of the event, you know. Like we'd all talk about, you know, little tips and, and tricks to kind of see each other through. And it was like, yeah, I, I did what I was doing kind of took him at first turn a lot of it um because my destroyers they can charge in the hero phase so there's no unleash help yeah. so got around it that way um there's a special angels trick called um the mighty retreat so basically i grabbed my more crusher charged in in the hero phase retreated in the movement phase but because i'd already made a charge earlier you can um block of um of thunder and ships and pop destroyer and five damage went off and half his army was gone rolled for priority and that was it so it was kind of it was kind of a wrap but lovely guy and i think because that was my first 
game and my first win, it really kind of gave me this confidence like, okay, well, you're here for a reason. You know what I mean? Like you can, you know, going into it, I was like, how am I even going to win a game? You know, how's this going to go? And I was like, okay, cool. I can hang with the big guys now. And it was a really, really cool game. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. Um, and That's good. It's, um, they progressed. It's, also, it's also good, sorry, on um, like GW's part that they kind of made that comment at the start. It's like a, look, guys, check your egos this isn't the this isn't the normal pool don't get shitty when you actually a lot of you start losing when as you say like from your smaller scenes or whatever you're used to winning like yeah you are gonna lose like you think any normal tournament this is full of 5-0 players but it's gonna wind up like any normal tournament you're gonna have people that go one and four like just everyone's good don't don't be a dickhead (laughs) just like get ready to lose like it was just check your ego at the door, look around, you will lose a game. Like a lot of you are going to lose a game, you know. And I mean, <laughs> a million miles, at least I did all the way to Atlanta. And, you know, you don't want to game and crack the shits. Like you don't bring your ego with you in your baggage. You just leave it at home. Um, and I've always been not imposter syndrome. I think I just, I always... I never count my chickens too early. Um, I, I'm very um, reserved in how I look myself at the game and my talent. You know, once I've won, kind of secured a win, I'm, I kind of kind of start believing, hey, well, this is cool. Like, you know, I, I can hang with the big guys. But, you know, I didn't have any coming into this thing. And if anything, it's just about learning. It's about seeing how other people play. It's about just trying to learn from your losses from the best people in the world. You know, um, mm, yeah. if the dice don't play the game, what do you do? You don't get upset at that either. You just try and make the best decision you can. Yeah. You try and control what you can control and you leave the rest to the, you know, to the dice gods, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, um, no, it was good and Zach handled that loss very well. Like a gentleman, we shook hands and we ended up having lunch a bit later on in the day, which was fine, but... No, second second game up, had a had a bit of wind in my sails now and I, I versed this crazy list. Crazy list. It was um, from memory, I don't remember the gent's name unfortunately, but um maybe Michael, maybe, maybe I'm clutching at straws, but I believe it might be Michael. Um yeah, he had this Slaves to Darkness list where it was just splintered fang, like just blocks and blocks of splintered fang. And um basically you wipe them, a heroic action, they just come back. Like, I believe they come back at half strength kind of thing, and then they can move and do whatever they want, right? So I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm probably going to have to kill this guy's army like three times over. Um, and we had a hot game. Like, we had an absolute heater. Um, all of our decisions were spot on. Um, I think it was just a, a matchup thing, right? Like, I did lose that one. Um, I killed his army, like I said, twice, three times over. But, you know, they kill something and some of my units don't come back. I kill some of theirs and they come back. Like, you just, you're yeah. playing, a, playing a different game at that point. Um, and while I chose to play Iron Balls because of their incredible movement shenanigans, a lot of people think, as a side note, just speaking on this, a lot of people think that Iron Jaws, you know, they're, you know, they're smashing and bashing, they're York and walk, they, they're total destruction. They go in, they do a lot of damage, which they do. But, man, like, you've got to look at Iron Jaws and especially Bloodtooth as a movement army. Like, and I always say movement wins games a lot of the time. 
Like if you have 1 million damage on an attack, but you move 1 millimeter at a time, it doesn't matter because you damage across and you have objectives to score points and things like that. So I chose an army just for movement, but with this kind of lineup, it was just, I'm, I'm hitting and I'm hitting and I'm hitting and they're dying and they're coming back and that was kind of it. Like the board's being flooded um, with all of these things and I couldn't get to his heroes to kill them quick enough um, And because he, he just played well. He played really, really well. But, yeah, we got all the way to turn five and I went down on that one, but that was fine. You know, I was I was happy at the end of the day um, just watching some of these lists, just watching these crazy lists that people put together and, and then having the experience of walking over to, you know, David Salava or Tom Oliver, Joel Graham, Henry Wagner and going, how did you guys do in your game? And we, we got to chop it up and have that excitement. When we won, we all won. And when we lost, yeah. you know, we all about it and, and had those moments. And we all lost. You know, Joel Graham, the best in Australia, he, he lost. He lost plenty of games. That's okay. Um, yeah. It, so, yeah, that's one. So, um, before we before we go into your next game, did you want to give us a rundown of your list? Um, just uh, tell them what you brought and just kind of what your, your tech, like what's your approach, um, how you how – you, use the list how you wield that weapon yeah absolutely that's a it's a cool question to be asked because you know we all love talking about what we brought in our toys um <laughs> it's top to bottom um i'll probably start with the units and maybe just go back and let you know the artifacts and things like that if that's all right um so i had a mega boss on more crusher um i had two war channers um, one beat was the um, get and beat and one was the killer beat. So you've essentially got a 3D6 charge um, and then from the other war channel, you've got a plus one to hit in every combat phase, not just mine. So, yeah, we had those two war channels and we had the weird knob shaman. Um, we then had um, two units of gore grunters um, in reinforced, so two units of six. And now I was tossing up when I was writing the list of having a third unit of six. And I thought, well, no, I'll, I'll make it, you know, two sixes and then I'll have two, um, two threes. Basically because you can use those two threes to just, you know, if I get given turn one, I can throw three pigs in an, at an objective. And if that puts me in range of the enemy, well, I've lost three pigs, but I've still got an objective where I can screen with them or I can score tactics with surround and destroy and things like that. So... That was where my thinking came into it. It just opened me up to more tactics, um, a bit more safety with screens and things like that, and more to move around the board with. Um, and then after that, a bit of a, a wild unit was the six brutes, um, the brute rages, the new ones. So that was oh, one nice. of the units to paint up. But yeah. I, uh, hindsight, would I change the weapons I gave them? I gave them uh, the, uh, I think it's hit rolls of a six to three mortal wounds. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and it's well. Look, you've got you got six of them. That's eighteen dice you're rolling. On average, I found that you know, and like I said, I played that list leading up to Worlds, and on average, I was getting maybe nine to twelve mortal wounds. Um, I did play one game, and it spiked to something like twenty-one mortal wounds, and I lifted. <laughs> yes. <stone. laughs> I lifted a stone horn with like a two hundred point brute rages unit because they're only a hundred points for three. So um, I love it. <laughs> too like it's a controversial I, I do look at using that as a screen if i need to um 
because you've just got six of them and you can just spread them out so far. But um, yeah, and I chose the Artifact uh, Destroyer for the Mega Boss. Um, I chose the Command Trait Hulking Brute. So when he lands a charge, um, you essentially, um, you've got a chance to do D3 Mortal Wounds. Um, my allegiance was Bloodtooth, which made the um, Piggies battle line. Um, I believe I was on 2,000 points, so I didn't have um, a triumph. And my grand strategy was War, so essentially have the Mega Boss or some Pigs um, over their side of the board at the end of the game. Now, the way I wanted to use it um, was, sorry, that list was wrapped up in a Battle Regiment and then the Weird Knob um, was separate. So essentially there was a two drop, but because um, I had too many foot heroes, the, the Weird Knob threw me out, but that's all right. Um, what I wanted to do was David Salava actually gave this to me two nights before we had to submit the list. We are talking about that list and he ran the exact same list as me, but instead of, Two, uh, two units of six pigs and two threes, he just went six, six, six. Um, but he was like, I go, why do you want to run the weird knob? And he goes, nah, check this out. If you hand of gork, <laughs> yeah, hand of gork a unit, um, uh, you, let's say they have to stay nine away. Fine, you drop them nine away. But then if you call mighty destroyers on that unit, they're trying to land a nine inch charge. So what you can do is land them 12 out just move the full pig movement, which is nine, um, with your Mighty Destroyers move, and then you've only got a three-inch charge to make. And I was like, oh, that's really good tech. I was like, right, so I changed up the list, put the weird knob in, um, and it counted for a lot, man. Like it, you know, it counted for a lot, or you could, you know, you can hand the Gork, the Mega Boss, um, you know, outside 12, um, you know, fast and even if you want, and just try and land those charges a bit easier. You know, then do the mighty retreat, you know, in the movement phase and, and pile back in. So just movement shenanigans. Just wanted a lot of fast movement, a lot of um, movement shenanigans, and just to catch people off guard. You know, first turn you've got this mega boss that's just charged you in the combat phase and then your side of the board, then he retreats and everyone's like, what are you doing? Like, why? why <laughs> you know? But, yeah, just movement shenanigans and just, I guess, trying to... Bloodtooth's got this cool thing where when you wipe out a unit, um, the pigs are fought and there's no one um, essentially that they're in combat with. They can either make a charge or just do a normal move. So what you can do is you can move up the board, Mighty Destroyers move nine, move their normal nine, um, charge, you know, do a bunch of mortal wounds, essentially fight, wipe out all the screens, and then just move straight back. You just move nine away. Um, and a lot of the time... You know, you'll move past the objective, hit a screen and, and then move back and finish on the objective. So, you know, you don't have to just move on an objective and sit there. You can kind of do two jobs at once. And mm. you know yeah. what I mean? If I can take out my opponent's models in the first turn and still cap objectives, done. I'm like, that's that's what I'm going for. Yeah. So that's much why I chose what I chose. That's really cool. You can just pop over, take out take out that unit and then pop back. And sit there you, you're sitting pretty yeah yeah and do that across the whole board <clears throat> yeah or is, or is it just the piggies no well i enjoy well, it's whatever this, you yeah well they've got the smashing and bashing thing too the the piggies oh, have yeah. got like the actual gore grunters have the the blood tooth move um the brute rages can't do that um you know the war chairs weird knob can't but the pigs can um but what I was finding was I was going in with a number of different units, like the six pigs would kind of get the war chain a damage buff, so they're all two damage with seven attacks each. 
you'd go up, you'd kind of wipe screens, they'd move back while the two threes just, you know, scored tactics, moved around, maybe screened out a unit. Um, yeah, and the, and the mega boss went in and smashed face when he needed to, but always kept him back at least turn one. Like, problem with that list, if you lose a mega boss turn one, just mm. too early, it's so hard to come back from that. Like, yeah. it's, it's your linchpin because he can call the same order three times, you know, whether that's all that defense, um, all that attack, if it's mighty destroys and you can move through in the hero phase, like, it's it's very big. I toy with the idea of a world where what would that look like with just taking a mega boss on foot and all those extra points putting it into more units. And I'm like, nah, man, like that threat piece of that more crusher is is scary enough that you want him in there. He's just one of your hammers. You know, so the two six pigs would be the hammer and my, my mega boss would be the hammer. And the Rages, if they get into combat, they can slap. Um Funny enough, they didn't all tournament, like, but that's the way the dice go, right? Like, I'm looking for those sixes for those three mortals, and I think the most they got was like six, nine mortals. Like, but um, no, they were there, they um, they were there and to do a certain job, and they did their job. Um, whether that was to screen, um, you know, on the first turn, or whether that was just to go up and just try and put across some massive mortal wound damage. I mean, I chose the mortal wounds because in the game state at the moment there's like you've got Ossiarch Bone Reapers, which they just buff themselves up to the nines, right? Like whether that's, you know, minus to wound, the plus one to save, whatever it is, right? They'll just stack themselves with buffs. Even if there's minus one hits floating around in the game, the Rages just don't care. Like they don't care. They they go in as long as you're rolling sixes, you're fine, baby. You know what I mean? Like they'll just put that work in. They'll get around that two, two up save. Um, you know, so they can get around a lot of that, a lot of that kind of stuff. So that was my logic yeah. and the mortal wounds anyway. Like I said, hindsight, would I have changed weapons? I mean, it's hindsight. Like if I didn't roll mortal, would I have been better off with other weapons probably? But no, um, again, you make your decisions in this game and, and you back your decisions and you let the dice do what they're going to do. Yeah, nice. So... <clears throat> you've done you've done your two games day one you've got a, a win and a, a win and a loss um and then you said it was two games on the first day so what did you guys kind of do for did you go for a dinner at the venue or you're out in another country did you go and do something crazy have a wild night out or well well we'll make a special mention right so i got there the tournament started on a thursday i got there monday right so I got there Monday, probably by the time I got to the hotel, 6.30. Special shout out, how did I get to the hotel? The guys, like there was a Discord that um, I was invited to by Anthony Magro, AOS coach. He invited me to this Discord. He reached out and said, just letting you know all the players are in there. Like just go in, there's a channel for places to eat, you know, where to go, what to do. And I needed that, you know, like I was, I was a bit out of my depth um, because there weren't, a great deal of emails coming through from games workshop as to how things were going to get run um, until there were right. So in the meantime, discord was, you know, you know, firing up with everyone, just sharing what info they had and what to do. And these guys from, um, you know, Atlanta and the Georgian crew, they just, dude, they were saying, Hey, put in your flight details and we'll come and pick you up at the airport. Like they had this big spreadsheet set out for, times of people arriving and i was 
picked up by somebody I'd, I'd never met before, just a super kind dude. Um, and yeah, like he just picked me up. He dropped me off at the hotel. We, we had a chat and it was great, man. Like, yeah, it was really, really nice. So I got to the, my hotel at, but I got to my hotel about six 30 and nobody was there yet from Australia. Um, so I kind of reached out to someone in Discord and said, hey, is anybody local and wants to go and grab some food? Um, they said, yeah, and some, you know, some amazing, amazing dude um, came and picked me up with his wife and we went out for pizza. So that was the kind of hospitality that we were getting over there. But, you know, after a couple of days, um, you know, the Australian guys got there, I actually got, I thought it was food poisoning. It wasn't. It, it looked like it was gastro probably you know most likely gastro but i got really sick like i think it was tuesday. yeah like tuesday like night poisoning or something yeah. american food yes Man. Do well, hey, mm. um tom oliver flew in um and joel graham was there as well they they were the two guys that got there first and we met up and tuesday i believe it was tuesday we went to the aquarium it's an amazing world-class aquarium they've got whale sharks in them. like it's just huge oh wow yeah, but we spent the day there. But, you know, that evening, um, Joel and I went out to <laughs> – I said to him, I was like, where, where are we going to eat? Like, we got American barbecue and things like that during the day. But I was like, where are we going to eat? It's like, the Hard Rock Cafe is there. I was like, let's just go in there. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, we're going to Hooters. So I was like, okay. <laughs> 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 to the road and, and Joel Graham was like, yeah, man, let's just go to let's go to Hooters. So I was like, yeah, okay, I've never been. And – you know, it's in the movies and everything. I was like, fine, let's go check that out. And, yeah, we we met up um, with David Salava and David Salava's brother um, that was coming over to support him. Um, yeah, we kind of had burgers and things. And that night I got back to um, to my hotel and I was on the phone to my my partner, Dallas, and I said to her, I was like, look, like I don't, I don't feel crash hot. Like I got a big headache that just kind of instantly came on, like within 30 minutes of eating that food. And then... Mm. Like I, I'm probably going to have to go. I think I'm going to be sick. And did I really think that? I hoped not, but I don't know. I was just like, that's weird, but maybe. And sure enough, as soon as I jumped off the phone, that was it. And then I was, I was, you know, in the bathroom. I spent, you know, literally the entire night. Um, Yeah, from I think it was about maybe 8 o'clock at night till probably maybe about 10 or 11 the next morning, like, you know, being sick oh. on the dot every 20 to 25 minutes and then just oh. getting up bed i had nobody there i was just like i i was sick in another country and when you get sick in another country it doesn't matter the worst yeah it's the worst (laughs) it's like i I, you can't even go and get panadol because it's called tylenol over there and i don't know what tylenol is i'm like hey do you have panadol (laughs) like i didn't know what to do and again um reached out to um, one of the guys from this AOS gaming community from Atlanta and do no, no word of like 2am guy left his house, drove around to find a, a pharmacy that was open, picked me up, um, you know, a whole bunch of like Gatorades and, and Hydrolyte, things like that. Um, yeah. You know, some Pepto-Bismol and stuff to like, you know, I guess settle my stomach and some, some Tylenol and dropped it off to the hotel doorstep for me. And it's, it's moments like that where you're like, this guy's never met me before, doesn't know anything about me, he's willing to get out of bed, 
you know, for all I know, on a work night just to drop this off. It was just, it was kind of, it was, it was too much of a nice gesture that I just can't repay it back. Like I just can't. Um, but yeah, so that was a really, really rough night and I started coming good um, the next morning, but I was only on, you know, I can only eat bread and things like that. So, and I'm kind of worried Wednesday. I'm like, I've got to play tomorrow. I'd lost, I think I lost three kids. My kids didn't fit anymore. I'm really skinny. I'm walking around. I'm like, I hope I'm, I'm good. Like this is a bit of a worry. And yeah, it, it came good Thursday. Um, I was, you know, sprightly, you know, I woke up, I was ready to go on Thursday. It was just meant to be, I was in fine shape, but yeah, no, end of first day, um, we all went out, um, you know, and, and just grabbed some dinner and, and talked it out. Um, we were all, you know, we'd had a long day, but no, the energy was high and we talked about our games and our wins and our losses and what the what the next day held. But no, we, every single night, we, we all met up and we had some food. So I can't exactly remember what we ate that night. Um, no, we all went out, we all had some drinks and, and food and it was good. It was a good time. Yeah, Thursday was nice. Thursday was kind of like, this is what we're here for. You know, I'd already been there since Monday and I was just chomping at the bit to kind of get into it. So, yeah, no, Thursday was. Hmm. Well, it's it's good you got that, um, you got it, the American the American cuisine experience out of the way um, <laughs> nice and early before you had to play. <laughs> I thought it was food poisoning at first because it just it hit me straight after I ate, right? But yeah. as on. And you saw in this Discord chat, someone was like, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick. And it just, it, right. yeah, it was around and like, no, 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 it's not poison. Like, Tom Oliver, you know, like we all just, not every single person, but a lot of us got it. So yeah, yeah. It was on around and you've got hundreds of people flying in from around the world. They're sitting on planes, but yeah. somebody gets something and then somebody's going to give it to somebody else. It's just logical. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I like to think, I hope I wasn't the, uh, you know, patient zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I didn't zombie virus, but anyway, I was the first of getting sick, so fingers crossed. Yeah. It's kind of I, had a, um, I had a similar experience many years ago when I went to Fiji. Yeah. It was, uh, it was horrendous, so I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean. I've been traveling a fair bit in my life. I'm lucky enough to say it's one of my other hobbies. Um, and, you know, I've been to Thailand and, and Vietnam and things like that, and, you know, the Bali belly and, and whatever, yeah. but. No, it's, and the curry bum. Dude, I'm not sick as I um, <laughs> I was going to die. It's funny, too, I didn't actually buy travel insurance. I forgot. Um, and Tom Oliver was like, have you got travel insurance? I was like. Oh no! And um, that was at the that was a point where I was like, oh, it's probably too late. But I'll I'll head back to the hotel and jump on on Joel's laptop and buy some travel insurance. It'll kick in in a couple of days, so I just got to live until then. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! So you said before you were all obviously the first the first lot of games anyway was sort of in a pod where you knew who you're playing, but you weren't going to have to play. Uh, like teammates essentially from from the same country for the first games but did that mean that did everybody play everyone in their pod or was it sort of a, a knockout in in the those first pods or what there was too many people in a pod um i mean i could throw a number out i'd rather not but i think there might be you know uh, upwards of 16 
I might even be 24 or something in a pod. Um, that's probably wrong, but it's pretty close though. Um, no, you don't play your countrymen in the first round, but it's after the first round it could be, you know what I mean? But I didn't have any other Aussies in my pod. It was just me, just solo. So, um, yeah, there was no risk of that. Um, but, no, essentially what it was about was, that it, you know, they, they sectioned people in the pods, the best two, and, you know, had the most wins and done the best they would then go into the championship rounds, which were held on the Saturday and the Sunday. Now, what that meant was anyone who didn't get through to the championship rounds, um, we would still play, but what you're playing on from there is um, like best in faction or um, like best angels player, or um, you would also accrue points for your country. Um, as I understood it, this, as I, as I understood it, I believe, was um let's say you had because the french were everywhere right there were so many french players so many american players obviously but when they factored in um you know country points i believe it might have been the the highest scoring five players the number is something i'm not sure of it's um it's yeah, got it in my yeah. it's like the the top five scoring players from each country their points went towards their country score so you know if you had 30 american players the best five americans that did really really well their score would go to um, america's score so yeah we had five players so all of us were, were pitching in and doing our part and we all were looking at best in faction as well um which i can explain that a bit later how i went with that um but yeah no it was good it was really really good um First day was great. Yeah, cool. All right. Do you wanna do you wanna roll into to day two? Day two, Friday. Well, um feeling good at this point. Um, yeah, I'd just come off a loss, but no, it, I knew once you have your first loss, you're kind of fine, you know what I mean? Like I'm fine anyway. I mean, I, I don't tilt in games. It's like I said, it's a game of dice. You don't get upset at dice. If I forget a rule or I man there's been times not a, in atlanta but there's been times like i think we've all had times like you just tied you pick a tactic which requires you to essentially move onto a point and then you just move off the point it's just things like that so if yeah. you're putting like that up, <laughs> i'll always store it in the vault and be like hey just don't do that next time um but no so i was i was happy um the last one i was comfortable with it um went into day two bright and early because we had three games um today and the rounds were longer too the rounds were something like three and a half four hours per round but that also included because it was such a social event that games workshop wanted to promote um meeting new people and having chats and things like that they also if it could be helped not talking out your um oh hey you know james hey chris we're playing a game and it's turn bottom of turn two and we're up we're at a time and now we've got to talk it out they want to give us enough time to play all of our games to completion as well as go and hit the bar with your opponent have a chat and things like that so they were long rounds and i knew that three games in this day was going to be a really really long day um essentially i think it was like a 12 hour day um yeah, right. but yeah a guy named um um at this point i'd only versed americans so thomas ran um an annihilators list and it's look you know you're in for a game with a good when he brings along this it was like a, it's a little red um almost like a, a little red battery operated button that said hype on it and you'd hit it and it is and it'd do that little 
that little Rex, beep, 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 you know, like, <laughs> bah, bah, bah. He's like, all right, here, here go. my units will do something cool, just bash the hell out of the button. He's like, if I smash you, I'm bashing the hell out of it. If I need a six and a roll of one, I'm hitting the button. So it was good, man. Like, I, <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> down, you know, I was happy with that. Yeah, um, I set up against him. Um, you know, he's his whole army was essentially Vexilors. I think it's Vexilors. There's a million Stormcast units, but um, once per game they plant their banner and just do like D3 mortal wounds to everyone within, I think it's six or something. Um, and he also had, I think it's like eight units of MSU Annihilators just ready to just drop down and do D3 mortal wounds, just everything within 10 kind of thing. And then they charge, they'll do their mortal wounds on their charge. And if anything's less, uh, left, sorry, they mop it up. And I'm like, oh, this should be interesting. Right, I'm deployed. Um, he had first turn um, and, yeah, just wiped off both my war channers, um, a whole unit of six pigs, another unit of three pigs, all my rages. So first turn I'm left with the more Crusher, six pigs, three pigs and a weird knob. And I'm like, this is pretty brutal. But, I mean... That's what the list does, right? It does that and then it mops up. And if it can't do that, it's it's in a little bit of trouble, right? So um, second round we are playing... Um, and Stormcast little... tactics are terrible as well. So yeah. trying to actually play the game is hard. Yeah, well, he struggled with it later in the game. But I believe the battle plan's Geomantic Pulse. Is that the one where it hops from left to right or right? Four objectives across the middle. So what he did was he just dropped his whole army, blew up more than half my army, and then every single unit of eight, you know, annihilators, eight, sorry, um, eight annihilator units, they have rerolls to charge when they drop. He failed every single charge. So 16 charges in a row, he didn't land one. And I'm like, oh, my God, you literally just saved my bacon. Smash the button, Mitch. Smash the button. (laughs) (laughs) I was double. In that button um <laughs> that's why he's a cool dude you know he didn't take himself seriously and and um was gonna do at least something that game so you know um special mention though my twin brother christian um took work off he's a he's a nurse he took work off and he flew all the way over just to just to watch support right? um you know the the dream was for him to come along as well and, and if he couldn't play he was there to support so um he rocked up on on that um on that first day at the end on friday but he didn't see a lot because he'd just flown in but this was his first day there as well his first full day so he was standing there watching this first game watch this guy thomas fail all of his charges and then watched me have my turn and i just grabbed what i had and went left right and just ignored the annihilators right because they moved four inches they just dropped right in the middle of the board this there. Again, I chose Iron Jaws for their movement. Like, I can just run away from them. I can just move 18 inches with Mighty Destroys and I don't even have to fight anybody. Um, so what I did, I just ran away all game, scored points, just literally tried not to fight. I mean, I, I can't fight too hard, right? My War Chanters are dead. I don't have the double damage. And, you know, those of my ladies have got a two-up save on them, on the ones with the shields. So, yeah, I, I just did what Iron Jaws 
I guess my iron jaws do, right? I remember looking over at Christian and Christian just shook his head and walked off as soon as I moved my models away because he was like, oh, go in and smash. And I'm like, no, nah, no chance. I'll lose the game instantly. And he just kind of, it was almost like he, he walked off. He was like, I can't watch this. Like, I actually can't watch this. He's going to lose. He's <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I flew in yesterday, but he's still jet lagged. Like, he's doing dumb stuff. But no, I, I think it's important that you play the battle plan the way it's meant to be played. Um, get in a position for, okay, if he takes the um, second turn, he gets to choose if the pulse, the main objective on the left or the right. And I was just already on it. So, either way, whether I chose it or he chose it, I'm scoring at that turn. Um, so, it was just more about scoring. Um, objectives and the game played out and he kind of couldn't you know you kind of can't come back from that when you're moving four inches and all your guys are in the same spot like it's just too hard because where if he if he goes right i'm going to go left i had my weird knob with hand to gawk moving things around but a little bit of a tough one for tom but um yeah got the win there and i kind of started my day with a win and that was great um and then yeah the the next game was very interesting but I guess have you guys got any questions about that game before I move on? No, man, sounds um sounds like an awesome game. A lot of fun and love the um love the button. That's such a that's a such a cool touch. Came up to me on the last the last day, just specifically found me and was like, here's the button. Just take it back to Australia with you. So I've got the button. <laughs> yes. Got- awesome. <laughs> it's it's funny it's 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 a good memory you know what i mean things like that are interesting. um but no i i rocked up to the second game against uh a frenchman um he you know he loves the death factions i was having a quick chat with him he had a shirt on like a custom-made jersey that said like the french mortar on his jersey you know he was he was he was there. He was there to win. He wasn't there to socialise. He he didn't he didn't care about the beer. He just wanted to. He <laughs> and I was kind of like, all right, we're we're going to get into it. Um, and you know the French team, you know specifically the French. They, I found out that they they take it real real serious. Like they had a, a cameraman following them around, documenting their their progress and, and interviewing them before the games. And they were saying, hey, can we just interview this guy? real quick before you game with him. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Do your thing. And, you know, there was this French guy interviewing a French guy and they were doing their thing while I was setting up the board. I was kind of like, far out. If I'm going to lose any game, it's going to be this. Like, this guy's pretty pretty for real. Um, he ran, you know, one of the notorious lists you don't want to see, which was just zombies, just a trillion zombies, a block of 60, a block of four. Yeah, you know, right. yeah, just... Gorslev? Oh, yeah, was it right? Yeah. yeah, he had all of that, all the toys, um, all the bells, and I was, you know, I was like, oh, this is gonna be rough because same Gross. thing. I lost a game to the Splintered Fang, which kind of worked the same. You kill them, they come back, right? And I was like, oh, this is gonna be rough. But I had to try and rely on the experience I've had uh, playing with my brother Christian. Like I said, Mister Death himself. Um, he's played all the Death factions. He's a great player and I've played against him a million times and I was just like, it's all good. It, it, at the end of the day, it's just a game like any other. Right. Um, so yeah, he, we played that object, uh, sorry, the mission where I believe it's if whoever has the least victory points 
um, when you're determining priority, they essentially take up to two objectives off the board. Um, oh yeah, Nexus collapse. And the way he played that, and I, I knew, I was very happy with the, the way I spotted that really quick, but um, I gave him first turn, I dropped him, I gave him first turn, and the way he played it was he chose attack like a throwaway, something he couldn't even score. Um, he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to choose this, you know, crappy little tactic. I'm just never going to score it. He moved up his models and screened certain things with whether it was his um, his dogs or his zombies, whatever. But he didn't land on any objectives. And I'm like, I know exactly what's happening. He's going to take my two objectives um, and then he's going to have this massive blob of zombies just sitting on his objectives late game and just starts outscoring me, right? Because um, I'm not going to be able to chop zombies in one turn two turns um and i was like oh, okay all right fine what i'm gonna do risky play i'm gonna try and match him with zero but like because he finished the first time zero victory points um and i was like i'm gonna match him and then we're gonna essentially roll off and see who takes one off and hopefully it's his home one it's i'm just gonna risk it for the biscuit um the fat more crusher the fat base more crusher right I worked out in the movement phase, I was like, I actually can't move this more crusher without having it tag an objective, which means I'm gonna get at least one victory point, which means what's the point? So I just went, I just went hard at it, full five points, right? Full five points for the first turn. Um, decided to go for my tactics, scored it, moved, hold one, hold two, hold more kind of thing. And now I was five points up. He took my two home off me, which I knew he was gonna do. Um but then, yeah, as we got into it, um, things just didn't go his way at the start. Like I think his first turn, he had a blizzard wizard, right, a little necromancer um, sitting behind his zombies, you know, primal miscast, blew himself off the board. Um, I believe that was his grand strategy to have him spellcasting savant. And I'm like, wow, I'm actually up eight points now. You know what I mean? Like at the end of my turn, I'm like, I'm up eight points. Like you in a professional game like that, being down eight points, you can't come back from that. Like, not really. Unless I drop the ball, you can't make that up. Like, you just can't. It's it's so hard at that level. Mm. Don't let you get away with that kind of stuff. You just, they just don't. So I'm sitting there looking at it going, okay, just play it right, make all your decisions. I had plenty of time. And, you know, he had a million zombies to move, right? So my brain capacity... My, my ram that I was using in my head was nowhere near his, right? I, I, I moved six pigs up and that's my turn kind of thing. It's not hard. Um, so I had a lot of time to think about things before I did it. But, yeah, I just I played well. I think that big block of 60 zombies, I handed three pigs just near them, then charged them and just tagged them right on the end of his big conga line. And for some reason, he didn't even retreat him out of combat. And even if he did, I'd just charge into him again. So I'd tied up these zombies all game. The 60 zombies just didn't do anything. They didn't. They weren't able to screen me out of that home objective, even when it went down to him. It just I think everyone went my way. And we got to time because obviously you're going to, um, I think it was like turn, turn three at this point. There's a million zombies. He's run out of time. He even asked me to play on a chess clock. Um, so we played on a chess clock. I had something like 50 minutes spare and he had zero minutes. And Tom Meggins, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him, but Tom Meggins was um, one of the TOs over there. Um, he came over and said, how are you guys doing? I said, oh, look, we're just talking it out. Um, 
and then yeah, this guy just kind of got into a, a bit of a back and forth with him. It got a little bit heat between he and Tom. Not that Tom Meggins was aggressive, just you could tell this guy was just really, really wanting the win and trying to get his point across. And Tom's was just trying to explain him, look, you actually can't. Like, even if you could, he has blood tooth. He has, at the end of the combat phase, he can move. Like, in the hero phase, he can move. He can do all these things to counter what you're saying you're, you can do, you know, to win. And he's like, okay, well, look, if I can, you know, get this unit back through a gravesite, I can potentially win. And he's like, look, I don't think you can. Let's just stop this chat. How about this roll of dice on a three-up? You know, you can get the unit back. He rolled a one, instantly shook my hand, and we we moved on. Like, <laughs> He's out of time anyway, so, like, I don't know why he keeps arguing if he's out of time. Like, yeah, anyway. I, I did hear a bit, of, a bit of chat about that. Like, there was no official, like, clock policy by GW, so I don't think anything was enforced as far as I know on, on that, but. It was almost like a, it was almost like a agreement. Like, you know, I was I'm in a couple of my games, but I've always been a player and people in Australia that I've experienced playing with are like this. Like, you kind of know when you've when you've lost, right? And for the sake of it, you know, if you've lost, you you kind of just accept your defeat. And the other opponents, like, look, in okay. If you can if you get that tactic, yes or no, for the benefit of the doubt, sure. Yeah, like, yes, you can get that tactic. Here's another two points. But at the end of the day, you've lost whatever. Like, let's not get into a three-minute discussion about it. Um, but like I said at the start, like, that team was there to win. Like, a lot of them take it really seriously. And, and the game was fine. Everything was perfectly fine. Everything was amicable. Lovely dude. But when it comes down to losing, this guy in particular didn't um, and he was happy to stand there with Tom Meggins and go back and forth with him for 15, 20 minutes while I was just packing up my models. And like, I said to Tom, I said, hey, Tom, um, out of respect for, for you and, and my opponent, I said, just let me know which way it's going to go. I said, like, because at the end of the day, I think I won by two points, um, but he was kind of saying, no, no, we could have tied or something like that. But um I don't know. But no, it was there was no hard clock policy. Um in a lot of they didn't need a clock. It was just if you're gonna run a trillion zombies, what do you expect? Like you're gonna run out of time. You you are. There's just nothing more you can do but run out of time. Like you've got too many models on the board to move. Yeah, that's it. Like that's one of the reasons why, like with I'm a death player as as you as you know, but like I've 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 veered away from taking the blocks of zombies and skeletons and grave guard because I'm just tired of pushing around that many models. <laughs> yeah. so, so I've changed yeah. changed my changed my list. <laughs> Make it a bit more elite, let low model you, count. You guys mentioned I played Gits at Sydney Slaughter, right? Exact same thing as you, James. Like I just didn't want to move a trillion squigs around. I just didn't want to do it. Like I just <laughs> it's not fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah playing something like eight games and if you get to the championship rounds you're playing something like 12 games so it's like oh one, too much yeah one game is not fun the next but you know <laughs> the thing too i mean i love my i love my gets and they got me to atlanta um but it was it was when corn came about right um i've got a really really close um friend named christopher moore amazingly 
lovely person, sweet family, amazing guy, right? I'm not sure if you guys um, know he's got him. The he's got the metallic corn. Yes, good call. Amazing painter, very, very good painter. I've got all the respect in the world for Christopher Moore. Um, and he and I were playing regularly. Like, we, you know, Christian and I play regularly, right? But um, Christopher Moore and I added a game to a week and, you know, every Friday, I think it was, we just show up to his house and he's got a cool setup and we play games. And for a long time he was playing corn and he painted them in this candy apple, um, cherry red metallic corn scheme. It's amazing. But I, what I was finding was you spend all this brain power and all this time putting your squeaks within range of your squig unit or your gobapalooza making sure every one of the units is wholly within 12 for your minus one to hit when its spell goes off. And then corn just go, I'm just going to move your unit towards me. And now you're out of, like I was running grin crack at that point, right? So you put grin crack there, you daisy chain it back and then the squeak hoppers just get pulled away from him. And you're like, okay, well, <laughs> yeah. Do that anymore, you know what I mean? So, and I and look, um, I was right, there was a lot of corn, there was a lot of corn, um, there was a lot of seraphon, there was a lot of corn, um, surprising amount of skaven, um, and you know, you had your, your the slaves and your you know, Ossiak and things like that, but yeah, it there was a lot of corn, and I, I chose right, I feel I chose right, um, but yeah, the game, um, was Mike Stewart. Mike Stewart is an Englishman. He's a pommy. He's a pommy. Um, and he's a lovely <laughs> dude too. Um, he had an all shark Ideneth list um, with a big turtle um, spell casting savant tidecaster, I believe, and, and Lotan. So it was just shark spam and like MSU shark spam. So just one, 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 one all over the board. And they've got all the shooting, right? I think they shoot 24 inches or something. They move yep. something like that. 14 um so yeah movement yeah damage and i knew it was going to be rough i knew it was going to be rough so i'm coming off the back of two wins i'm feeling good um i let him go first same thing with the ko in the first round i weather the storm a lot of stuff gets picked off but a lot doesn't like he actually whiffs a lot of his roles um and you can tell he probably did a quarter of what he wanted to do um but the way the terrain was set up um, for this event, because this is really important. I may mention this because this is how I lost this game. Um, all the terrain was the same on every board. You had two big square buildings right in the center. Like if you look at the dead center of the board to the left and the right of it, you've got two impassable buildings. Um, and then in each of the corners, um, you had, let's say a wildwood was there. Um, and you had just another bit of terrain. Um, but then you also had personable terrain right in the middle of um, the board on my side, like in my 11-inch deployment zone, and they had one directly across in the middle on theirs. So the way I, I was winning this game was that he went first, he whiffed a lot of his rolls. I went in and wiped half of his army, half the sharks. With smashing and bashing, it's pretty easy to wipe out a shark, then another one, another one, another one. I had handed Gork and I teleported the the mega boss up the back and wiped out, you know, a, a bunch of stuff. But what happened was he has an artifact. Okay, so at the start of the game, he gets to put his terrain down and that gloom tide wreck ship can be deployed paths. Um, so he put one pretty much in between the two impassable ones um, in the centre, but just off the objective. So all of a sudden I have 
two, three inch, like little sections to, to move through. And then in his turn, in his first turn, his artifact allows him to put another rectide ship down in halves. He flooded the board with terrain. And that's fine if you're uh, scaven with plague sensor bearers or you're, you know, anything with 25 mil bases or even 32 mil bases would be fine, but mm, not with fly. Yeah. Pigs, not with pigs at all. Like I got, mm. I was like two pigs in, like into combat with something through that, through that bottleneck. Um, and those two pigs weren't enough to lift a shark. Right. So essentially what happened was I'd wiped more than half of his army. I think he had a turtle and he had three sharks and a tide caster left in his army. And I'm like, I had my whole army pretty much there. Six pigs were dead. And I was like, I'm actually going to win this. Like, I'm, I fully believe I was going to win it. I could see it as clear as day. And then, man, just he bottlenecked me and I couldn't get all of my damage into combat to even be effective with it. And he was just shooting with his remaining sharks and his turtle and just picking me off and then being able to fly over all the terrain and just land on objectives. And I couldn't do that. It would take me two turns to run around mm. all the terrain. And it was perfect. It was perfect. Man, I just – we had a blast. He was a lovely dude. And we, we shook hands at the end. And I was like, dude, like, well done. Like they're the kind of games that you really get excited and, and proud of yourself about when your back's up against the wall and, and there's nothing you could do. And then all of a sudden you find, you squeeze the juice, man. You just work with thought. You choose tactics that you can, you know, you do what you can with what you have. And he did that perfectly. And yeah, man, well done to Mike. Great game. Um, I lost that. Um, the game was so close until it wasn't. You know, you have those games where you're neck and neck on points and then the last two turns kind of blows out points. That's pretty much what happened. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a very, very good game. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, right. yeah that sort of answers my question. I, was, I had a question about um, how they, being Warhammer, like, Games Workshop event, um, the, like, in all the battle plans, the setup is, like, no one, no tournaments, like, actually use the, rules as written set up like you roll off attack a defender yeah. defender sets up terrain um yeah. you know etc like that never like that doesn't happen and you know so i was just actually that's sort of i was just wondering if they did that at that at the tournament but it sounds like they it was all preset it was all preset um what we did though was when you showed up to a table um when you attacker and defender essentially one person would roll all of the terrain dice and then put the terrain dice where they wanted because wildwood okay. garrison all set up already that was all predetermined never mm. changed in pretty much on every board um but yeah one person would just kind of assign mystical and arcane and damned and all of these um scenery rules and then Essentially, the, the person who was dropping first would pick that side, whichever they wanted to drop first. So there was a sort of doing things. Um, I didn't find the terrain rules to matter so much because, I, yeah, Arcane's nice, but I've got a weird knob. Like, I'm not leaning into magic. You know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. Damned, Damned's nice, but at the same time, I've got a mega boss that can give out all that attack to three units. So I was kind of fine with all of that. 
mystical is something I looked for um, in in regards to terrain. But you know, you don't ever plan for mystical. I think if you you're planning on getting cert, like oh, I need arcane to first turn, otherwise don't don't play that list. Like don't you know <laughs> find a way around a lot of the time going to get that. Um, but yeah, what I was just noticing was my list in particular was very very affected in a lot of my games even the ones i won by those two impassable right in the middle of the board it just sucked it, it really sucked um just mm, the yeah that's always the downfall of those massive pie plate base things like the archaeons the more crushes the the things that they just you go oh well it can't land here i'm just gonna sit here then like yeah i mean a lot of the time it's not ideal. I would have to burn a Mighty Destroyer's move and then pop Fasten just to get over that, you know, that impassable. Otherwise, I, you know, it was going to be detrimental to, to turn. So it wasn't ideal, but that's mm. part of the challenge, right? Like you show up and you, you're you not only versing your opponents, sometimes you're versing the terrain you, you deployed around and, and running around as well. So, yeah. yeah. And it made the terrain hard. The train's hard as well as the playing, like the players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard mode, hard mode AOS. Yeah, uh, I'd say, and look, at that level too, that's like on expert level, right? And a good player will, like Mike Stewart, he he's seen it. He's seen it before I did. He just looked at the terrain and he was like, like, you know, he looked at it and he was like, okay, it's okay, I'm going to do what I'm going to do he's not going to be able to essentially do what he wants to do in the late stages and I'm going to pull away with the win. And that's why I congratulate him. I was like, man, I just learned a very valuable lesson in, I acknowledge the terrain. I didn't appreciate it for what it could do to me. And it's funny, like, like you said, you're playing against the board as well as an opponent. And these are the lessons I wanted to learn. You know, you know what I mean? And I've always been someone who, if I, lose a game just reflect on it just learn you learn more from a loss than you do a win wins are fine and everything's dandy and yeah, yeah i got the win and i played really good but nah man you become a better player after every loss so yeah yeah nice yeah the deepkin list as well with the sharks it is very much probably one of those army that abuses the terrain with the boats more than any others like i've done it myself at sydney gt i beat corn basically using my boat between two pieces of terrain putting my sharks behind it in range of the bloodthirster but set myself up in a position that i can't land on it so i just measured eight and went if you move me forward eight i'll land on my boat you can't pull me over the boat you can't grab me like yeah, you just play well, the game differently well <laughs> what was that sorry said well played tip of the cap <laughs> But it, I get it as an opponent. It's frustrating when that shit happens. You're like, this isn't the terrain shouldn't be this powerful. <laughs> maybe it should be. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's one thing we need to do more is just make terrain a bit harder. Well, what I found was it's a great um, mediator. It's a great leveler of certain armies, right? Like, sure, you've got all these massive models in your list, right? But it's it's like real-time war right like it's even goes down to sun Tzu. like picking your battlefield is half the battle you know what i mean like it's part of it it's like you know sometimes the terrain you know and elevation and you're fighting on a hill if you're not it's it's all relevant you know it's all relevant if you can't 
for that damage and you can't manoeuvre into positions where you want, the game's half won. You know what I mean? You've just got to make sure that you don't play silly and 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 capitalise on those kinds of things. So, yeah, it was it was the tournament where I noticed the most impact of terrain. Like, it just had such an impact to everybody's games, not just mine, but everyone's. And everybody was talking about it, which which is kind of cool. Like, it, um, everyone kind of learned that lesson, you know. Mm, it was a, yeah. a lot of people, yeah, definitely learned throughout the week. Was there any, like, feel-bads from it? Like, certain – because terrain is one of those things where it's still probably the thing that even though Sigmar's been out for, like, six, seven years, the terrain rules, as they're written, not great. Like, every yeah. every pack kind of needs house rules and everything still to this day, and, like, countries – can play them very, very differently. Were there any sort of, I guess, bad experiences or any things where countries were like doing the thing where you can like go into combat, into garrisonable terrain and make yourself into combat without charging and just catching people out that they didn't like? Or was there any kind of house rules from GW on it? I didn't experience any feel bad moments. I That's one thing I, I will say from me personally and this is all for me personally right um i feel they did a good job of explaining the terrain um and explaining um the impact it was it was going to have on players and how they were supposed to interact like you know especially in in the interest of fairness they did have that chat with us um at least i understood that they did they they did lay out things really really well for us this is how we're going to be playing around terrain it's set don't touch it all of your tables are going to be the same right um no there weren't any feel bad moments um other than the fact that uh, just knowing right like I just can't move my more crusher where I want it kind of thing. They were the feel bad moments, but it's like, okay, well, like you're <laughs> hearing a versus Maggie Kin list and God, it was just, you know, if I could just get my models into, into combat, I'd be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? But sometimes, man, sometimes you could. <laughs> and then, so you just said all the tables are the same and they said, don't touch the terrain. Was that, did you move the terrain for the different missions based on where the objectives were? Because obviously if you set them up, you're not supposed to have objectives within three of terrain, et cetera. Yeah, good good question. I'll, I'll clarify that. Where it could be helped, don't move the terrain. Yes, there were certain missions where I'd have to put down a, a, an objective template. I've just got like, you know, they're like mouse pad material, some really cool ones. Um, I'd have to put them on there. And you just you're there with your opponent you know that you have to move it based on the rules you just kind of look at each other and you'd move it and say i'm just moving it over here is that cool yeah that's fine so where it could be helped don't mission dependent yes you would have to move it but for the most part everyone would just try and keep it or at least i would try and keep it as close as possible to where it was but it was still all relevant right it's still impassable it's still in the middle of the board it's still it's not on objectives so it's still all relevant so yeah did that also apply, like, um, with uh, faction terrains that have the um, setup? You know, obviously, got to be can't be like close to terrain and all that sort of stuff. Was there any instances that you know of where people couldn't use their faction terrain in these games, or was it kind of just like, yeah, we're just going to move the terrain so to accommodate so everyone could play with their toys, kind of thing? Well, as far as I know, and I, you guys can correct me on this if I'm wrong. 
I think the standard rule for a lot of, you know, faction terrain is it must be three away from mm. other objectives, right? Yeah. Um, size of the terrain, it, it never got to that point, right? I versed okay. the silver. Yeah. Plenty of space. Yeah. Silver player, um, you know, the, the next morning and he used his huge three tree, um, he set it up as a three-tree um, terrain piece and had had no dramas with it. So, no, there was still plenty of room. But it kind of makes you wonder, okay, well, if there was plenty of room, how come there wasn't plenty of room to move around it? It's it's just it's hard to explain. It just wasn't that easy. It just wasn't that easy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. So end of day two, that's five games done. So you're sort of three-two. I assume with size of the pods that the – that was enough to determine the top two at that point of each pod or was there another game? Correct. Correct. So um, what they were saying is if you lose one of those games in your pod, you're still in the, you're still in the running to kind of, it's okay. You can still be one of the best two, right? Um, I dropped two games out of those five. So I wasn't going to be going to the championship bracket, which is fine. Um, but yeah, so essentially the end of the Friday, that was the, the wrap up of pods. And then all the biggest sharks that were there would go into their shark tank on the, over the Saturday, Sunday. Um, and the rest of uh, the rest of the sharks would kind of swim around each other. And, and that's when the floor opened up to versing people outside of your pods. Um, so once the pods determined the best two players over the Saturday and the Sunday, you could, it's, it's, it's let's play ball. You can kind of play anybody, you know, and that's exactly what happened. I, the rest of my games, I played people outside of my original pod. Um, yeah, so we won. it was great. Um, we had a ball. Hey, I think that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was, we went to an Irish pub and just chopped it up and, and talked a whole bunch of, bunch of smack and made each other laugh. And, and they're the kinds of memories I do, I do hold on to very much, but um yeah so we got into saturday which was my birthday and my twin brother was there and it was great man like i had my birthday over there what a what a way to celebrate so Perfect. i'm in the, yeah. in the positive win rate at the moment it's going good and what i was saying when i got there was i wonder if i'll even win a game right what's my expectations i hope to win a game and i've won three at this point and i'm like man that's so cool like i've I've kind of achieved more than what I wanted, right? So anything after this is just gravy. Like it's just, and it's all just experience anyway, right? But no, I, I made myself proud um, at this point, you know, massively. I think, how crazy is this? At one point, Joel Graham and I, um, Joel and I went to lunch and he looked at the, at the placings and it might have been the game before Mike Stewart. So I won three at this point and lost one. And Joel and I were tied for fourth place over the whole thing. And I'm like, is that legit? He's like, is that legit? He's like, yeah. And I was like, far out. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And then, yeah, I lost to Mike Stewart. Do, 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 all the way down. <laughs> <laughs> it was short-lived at the top, but the air was cleaner up there. It was easier to breathe. Um, <laughs> just laughed at it he was just like we both knew it didn't mean anything right but it was funny at that point um but yeah so birthday woke up saturday and um yeah it was i was happy to, to spend my birthday there we 
we kind of got into the game straight away and, and I versed um, a guy named Martin or Martin, however you want to say it. He was another French guy, right? Um, I don't know how much I want to say about this given that it's it's like a it's a public forum, but let's just say the game was um, he got a little bit heated. <laughs> but I won't I won't too much, right? So we'll focus on the game. But it was just a bit of a shock, this one. Um, I think something got lost in translation um, in the language barrier maybe, and he, he kind of got turned up a little bit. But, no, we had a good game anyway. Once we resolved that, um, we got into the game. He was playing Sylvaneth. Um, and, yeah, we, we had it out for a bit. Um, he was running the Kurnoth with Swords, which was... Um, you know, they do the mortal wounds on um, sixes and things like that. It was a good list. Um, I was winning by, I think, something like five points by the end of turn two. And um, just I've played Sylvaneth, right? That was my first tournament was Moab in Sydney, um, yeah, about a year and three months ago. And I played Sylvaneth. So I know what Sylvaneth do. I've still got a fully painted army um, in the cupboard, um, like three and a half thousand points. But I know what they do. You're going to, if they're going first, you're going to lose a unit first turn. It's, mm-hmm. you just, right? There's nothing you can do about it. They're going to teleport in, they'll land a charge, they'll wipe a unit and see you later. They'll disappear. So I screened for that. That was fine. Moved up, um, double turned him, went in and done some damage. Um, but you just find that how did I lose this one? You just find that they have the movement. Like you you don't even have to measure with them, right? You pick up tree revenants and you put them anywhere. You you know that you're nine away from someone visually if you're all the way across from the board. So I don't need their movement explained. It's just, yep, yeah, I'm gonna move here and you pick them up and you go wherever you want. So it was a particular battle plan where we were actually not playing across from each other. We were playing long ways and moving in. So I was essentially trying to cover 60 inches of, of ground. And while pigs are quick, they're not that quick. So if I'm going left, he's going right. If I go right, he goes left. And it was just a, a points game, um, similar to the Annihilators list. We were just bouncing. Um, yeah. But lost, that's okay. Um, yeah, I lost that one. But, again, I know why. I made all the right decisions. Sometimes a lot of these games are match-up dependent. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the there was only two games on that day, so I had another one after that. But did you guys want to know anything about the next game before I move on? What mission were you playing? It's the one I've played once in my life, and I played it in Atlanta. It was like an L-shaped deployment. Um, I'm trying to think of what it was. Um, it was just a really, really I'll have to kind of come back to it um, in in a moment once I remember or I have a look at it. Um, but yeah, it was just an odd, it was just an odd deployment. Um, I don't know, I don't know if I could have deployed differently. Um, he was saying I, I probably could have, um, and we had a chat after the game. He was nice after the game, and you know it was okay. Um, I don't think it was every step is forward. It may have been though. Um, okay. Yeah, it might have been every step is forward. Um, something like that from memory. I mean, it's just a weird L-shaped deployment. Um, I'm almost certain it's actually every step is forward, to be honest. Um, yeah, that's got yeah. the L shape. Yeah. Yep. 
it was every step forward. So it was just a long, it was just a long deployment. Like with that L shape, I think it works out. You've got something like three inches along one side of your deployment because yep. you have yep. away. <clears throat> with my pig's bases, I, I can't fit them. Like, yes, I could conga line them, but it just wasn't advantageous to how I wanted to play and deploy. So, you know, it just wasn't, yeah, it wasn't ideal for, for big base models. Um, that was another thing too. You weren't also battling your opponent in the terrain. That's also the matchup and the battle plan. If all of that lines up, all your stars align, happy days. It's great. Sometimes you're up against it and you can, you know, win it back through. Sometimes it just, and I'm not saying, I, I'm not certainly not saying I lost by battle plan, but um, me not understanding the battle plan fully and with the size base, um, the, the sizes of the bases that I was playing, it just made everything that bit harder. Um, yeah. And I just yeah. clutch it, that's all. Yeah. yeah. And, and as you said, they're, they're hard because they are one where you don't really want to be losing your screens to nothing. They can just come in, they can take a unit off, disappear to a back corner. Like, yeah, you're fast-ish, but yeah. not not to the extent where you can like go from corner to corner and then yeah. Yeah. No one's use Sylvanet fast. Like nobody, you know. <laughs> um yeah. uh, the next after that was actually against uh, such a lovely dude. Um I really hope I get his name right. It was Raymond Lane. Um Raymond Lane was uh, before coming to Atlanta, there were talks um, surprising to me and very appreciated of me joining um, the potential of me joining the Australian teams um, um, event over in, um, I believe it's Amsterdam next year, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Um, yep. I believe that's where they're playing. But there were talks of me. Um, I'd applied and we were kind of in talks and I was up for, um, um, you know, um, what's the word? Um, they were just considering uh, my application. They information, so I applied a second time and added a bunch of things. But I just, I don't think I played the armies they were looking for um, and my play style wasn't suited for them and that's okay. Um, so, um, yeah, I I kind of didn't, didn't get that spot. But when I, I got to this table against this Raymond Lane guy, he was a, a merc that they had brought onto their team. So as I believe it, he is playing the spot on the team that I had. And I was like, oh, man, good for you. Like, this is great. I can't wait to, to meet you and play with you. And he was playing Maggot Kin with the Glock Kin. And I'd playing, I've, I've played against Maggot Kin so many times. Um, yeah, you know, the, the guy that was there with us, um, my dear friend Tom Oliver, oh, he's amazing he's an amazing player and he plays maggot kin a lot um a real lot he's he's mr nurgle himself so i played against him a ton right um sometimes i affectionately refer to him as robotnik and on sonic right i just always verse at the top table and he'll just he'll just have you know he'll have it out with me and you know i still haven't beat him to this day but i'll get there it's like a saturday morning cartoon villain right it's just we'll always <laughs> have it out and it, it's a good shout it's a good time um so i kind of this list was going to do right and like i said we were happy to help each other so i even kind of got over to tom oliver and said dude am i understanding this list right is this how i'm supposed to be playing he said yeah man you've got it it's fine um he's 
Raymond Lane just played, just man, he showed up. Hey, like we just we played it out. I made all the right decisions. Christian was actually watching a lot of my games throughout, you know, over Friday and Saturday. He watched this in particular, and it's it was just what do you do, right? When a more crusher goes into, I think it was Morbidex. He's running Morbidex in his list. A more crusher, six pigs, and a war channel went into Morbidex. And I even popped Destroyer and like I, I killed him to the wound, like just barely to the wound. And I'm like, what is happening? Like all my dice rolls are just, oh man, they're going in the trash. Um, but no, he, Raymond Lane played very, very good. Um, the Glockkin, the thing that really turned it, because we were neck and neck, we were actually point for point at this thing, going three turns in a row, point for point, playing our asses off. And then the Glockkin's got this tech where, um, if I'm not mistaken, at the end of the enemy move phase, if they're within 12 of the Glockkin, the Glockkin can like counter charge and choose another unit to counter charge. Yeah. And he needed something like a like an 11 inch charge to do this, right? Lands it <laughs> off. Glockkin just wipes a unit out, like just things like that. And well played to him, man. Like. It's happened against Tom Oliver as well one time in a tournament and these moments happen. You couldn't be salty even if you wanted to be. They're the moments you live for when you play those games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was playing Kragnos and ran into um, my brother Christian's Nagash and he essentially does, you know, 2d6 mortal wounds but you times them together and I rolled a double six. 36 <laughs> mortal and a gash and off you go like it's moments like that where you just giggle like you it's fine so you know <laughs> that's why he took the glock in because he's got that tech that wins games man so i did drop that game um so at the moment you know i just lost what three in a row now i lost against the sharks the silverneth and the maggotkin and and not because of decisions it was just whether it was outplayed whether it was dice whether it was whatever i just it was okay, you know what I mean? It was fine. I'm, as long as I make all the right decisions, I'm so comfortable with whatever happens. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and Raymond's a lovely dude. He, he gave me because I said, oh, man, like what could – and I always ask for feedback too because I, the only way to get better, just surround yourself with the best players and be humble enough to ask for help and just say, look, do you have any tips for me? Did I do anything wrong from your point of view? And I always ask that with any of my opponents and whenever I lose, right, because you need to learn. And he said, no, man, you played it perfectly. It's just is what it is. My dice are better than yours. My tech came in handy when it needed to. That's it. So I was happy with that. And he was a lovely dude. And I wish him all the best on, um, you know, with Team Australia. I really do. Um, yeah. And the last game, honestly, was it made – it actually made the trip for me. Um, and I'll tell you why, right? So – Basically, we played two games um, Saturday. That was Sylvaneth and Maggotkin. We had a sleep. We went out and had a hoot nanny, man. Like, you know, it was my birthday at this point. We went out for um, people and things like that. And um, the whole crew, the Australian crew, like the AOS guys, we all, um, you know, we ordered some cake, right? Um, the guys will laugh when they're listening to this, but we ordered some cake after dinner. And there was specifically enough pieces, like one for each of us, right? Um, like counted. It counted as one for each of us. I had one served up. Tom Oliver was serving everyone's cake on their plate and he served mine. Cool. I'd already started eating it. 
I, I put the spoon in my mouth. My mouth was full. Instantly, I was like, oh, shit, this is good. Like, like I looked over the plate and there was still one piece left. And I'm like, I'm having more. Even though greedily, um, you know, I still have my so I reached over and snatched it up like like a thief in the night, right? And, <laughs> you know, like quickly was like shovel that into my mouth and he was kind of like politely serving everyone up like a gentleman. Then he kind of looked down at his plate like and he didn't have one, started how many people I had theirs and I looked, um, you know, at one of the people and I just shook my head and I held my finger to my lips. I was like, don't say anything. And then, you know, everyone spotted me with just this massive mouth of cake and, you know, we couldn't stop crying with laughter. It was just, it was so brazen. It was so, um, yeah, it was so, <laughs> you know, greedy. I don't know, man, my, I locked on. It was good cake. But, no, we had a good laugh about that and we kind of, we didn't say our goodbyes that night, but we, we kind of talked about what are we going to do from here? Where are we going? And how long are our flights home? Things like that. So it kind of started winding down after that. And we had a few drinks and, and then the next day I had my Rocky moment, man, like that day I was like, okay, I'd worked out that in the world, I guess at this point is um, Nicholas Walters, Scooter Williams. Uh, sorry, Walters, right? Scooter's been um, around for a, a while and, and his brother Caleb ended up finishing seven, Seven wins, one loss. Like the guy's a G, man. He plays Cinch and he plays, man. Um, so these two brothers are great players. Um, I originally started playing pigs, not just Angels, but pigs because of this guy. Like I didn't idolize him. I don't look up to anybody in that kind of spot where it affects you. Oh, I can't beat this guy. But no, I respected his um, his insights into how to play pigs and um, he kind of inspired me to play him right so i was just really keen to meet this guy and and have a chat and we lo and behold we lined up last game right and i'd worked out because i'd had more wins than him at this point he'd had almost the same amount of wins but he'd had a draw right and my win is obviously going to count more than a draw so and i'd scored more points and things like that so basically we were neck and neck almost for best iron jaws player right and i'm like if i can win my last game and I was watching him on the list. I'm like, if he loses his last game and I win mine, I'll get best in faction Iron Jaws. And then it's almost like if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, right? So we lined up each other. I remember Caleb in the morning at breakfast and Scooter wasn't there. And he goes, oh, pairings are up. I go, who am I versus and Caleb? And he goes, Scooter. And I go, no shit. I was like, all right, let's go, boy. Um, I was really excited and... And yeah, it was good times. Like lined up against him, such a gentleman, man. Like we 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 got really close over that game. Like we had a, a couple of real talks about a lot of real world issues and and our family and stuff like that. It was good. But no, nah, man, he was pretty much running the exact same list as me. Um, although he did have some brutes, um, not brute rages, just brutes, like a unit of ten, and he had scrag rot. So yes, he had more damage, um, and the brutes. It was just the, the brutes weren't a problem. It was just Scragrot ended up being a problem in the end. But basically what happened was I would outdrop him, right? He was, I think, three drop or two drop. And I remember thinking, I'm like, what am I going to do? Am I going to give him first turn or am I going to give um, myself first turn? I was like, okay, what do I do? Silly, 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 silly decision. Um, I gave him first turn and just first turn straight across the board, blitzed 
three quarters of my army. I had a mega boss, two war chanters, and six pigs left. And I'm like, okay. And it was a mirror match. It was basically so I had the next um, turn. Um, did exactly what he did to me. I popped Destroyer, wiped six of his pigs. My other six pigs went in, wiped some of his. So we're like almost neck and neck at this point. But it just, he had a triumph. So he had, I think he was 1970 points or 1980, um, if I'm not mistaken. But he had the plus one to wound. So he popped plus one to wound in the first turn, which done a bit damage. He um, did finest hour on his mega boss um, on more crusher. Um, so he kind of had access to that plus one to wound and things like that. And it just, I just couldn't keep up. Scragrot had his magic damage with his um, spell, which kind of weakened the more crusher. Um, and yeah, it just, it wasn't good, man. It just wasn't good. Um, it's a tough matchup. And because we deployed directly opposite from each other, you don't want to verse pigs in that matchup because they'll get across the board from you instantly. I, for some reason, just thought, maybe it i don't know what i was thinking i guess like to be honest i've taken a photo of the deployment when i set up because i i knew that i really wanted to look back on this game fondly and i do um but i still can't to this day figure out what i could have done differently i spoke to to joel and i spoke to tom and um we kind of were chopping it up after the event and i was just, i don't know i don't know what i could have done just probably have gone first and just tried to do the same thing to him i guess um but no, he ended up um, beating me that one, and I, I I just missed out on best in faction for Iron Jaws, which would have been a great result. But um, that's okay. I got to play arguably the best Iron Jaws player in the world, and 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 we learnt a lot from each other. You know, like we were talking over the table, and I'm, I was saying to a man, "You actually inspired me to play this army. Like you, I'm playing this because of you, essentially." And then, like, I heard your thoughts on it, and. Um, yeah, I, I really wanted to give it a try, and it turns out I had a lot of fun with it. And he was like, well, give yourself credit, man. He goes, like, look at this. And he goes, I've seen your list, and I literally wrote this next list that I'm thinking about playing because of you. And he showed me this list and on his phone, and I was very flattered at that. And he's a very lovely dude. So overall, you know, throughout the tournament, you meet a lot of lovely people, and that's half of what it's about, you know, more than half. Um, is you can play games all you want, but if you're not having fun with the people you're playing, what are you doing there? You know? So, yeah. No, exactly. yeah. Good result. <laughs> I, I feel like it was a really good result. Um, and, again, you'd be surprised. Like, you'd be very, very surprised. Like, the top 10 international, um, like, the top 10 best players in the world, some of them didn't even come close to the top. Some of them just almost you know finished like the bottom like the bottom quarter like just wild things were happening like um you've got great players like Noah Singh, Gavin Gregar and I'm sitting there thinking I'm like hell yeah man they're winning the whole thing and no they so it just goes to show man it's it's a game of dice it's a game where matchups are important terrain's important battle plans um all of this you know matchups it's all important so yeah yeah you i think if you if you went over there with that open mind of just going let's just see what happens um you you can't be disappointed it's just there's too many variations in the game to you know you can only control what you can control and i mean lumineth one like i would not have picked that with techless like who was going to pick that nobody <laughs> um you know maybe 
was playing it did, and that's really, really good. Um, I think it was Nicolas Tassone or something, um, the French guy that won it. But, yeah, I mean, he backed himself and, and well played to him. Um, but, no, it was it was a good event. I, I'm very, very, very appreciative and, um, and fortunate to have gone. I, I really believe that. It's one of the best things I've ever done in my life, and it's been such a goal to do that. Um, Australia, man, like, I don't know. don't know how I got over there, but I did. And, and thank you guys as well. You know, you guys ran the event that helped get me over there. So shout out yeah, to you guys. That's awesome. Obviously, you you earned you earned your ticket. So um, yeah, it's all it's all on you. And obviously, we're we're grateful that we were able to kind of help provide that opportunity. I guess. And I know there was a lot of negative talk about the golden tickets and stuff when they first came out, and and how this was going to be, and that it was going to be really cutthroat. But to be honest, like yeah, there's been some stories, and and there's been some groups and communities that maybe haven't come across as well. Or but it's just again, I guess maybe culturally how they play. Um not necessarily them being bad people i think all the interactions of them as them as people is great and you can get on with them but maybe just the way they approach the game is is slightly different to maybe a lot of the other communities but that being said pretty much everything i've heard about the experience and everything like that has been like overwhelmingly positive for for the the world champs which i think is great like i don't think now after it's happened there'll be backlash against people going trying to hold golden ticket kind of events next year etc like that like it, it i mean if you'd go again right i take it 100 man yeah like i said it's i went to get better at the game perfect thing um joel said while we were over there he's like you will be very surprised when you get back to oz and you play your next game it's it's not even going to be the same game anymore like you you'll have learned so much you know what i mean like you're going to play different the people that you normally play against they're just it's a different game he's, he's like you don't understand he goes when when i went overseas and um, and played and things like that he goes i came back thinking i'm never going to lose like another game in australia he's like i just my, my understanding of it is so much better and Hey, to his credit, yeah, he's lost. Um, you know, he played at Masters and, and he's lost games, but the the idea of that still stands, right? You you get that confidence in you and that understanding that you're just at another level now. Um, it's just one big love, right? Not just with the game, but the relationships. Like I, we're still talking now. Like um, I've known of Joel for a long time and, and never had the opportunity to play him. Um, in a tournament but we met up over there and best buds now you know what i mean like it was it was great that's that's half of the thing but one thing i will say that i did forget to mention the night before um the i think it was the wednesday night as sick as i was um or still feeling as bad as i was we played um street hammer like we got like little cups and met up in the lobby of the hotel and just oh, yeah yeah <laughs> I think I sent you boys a photo of it. Yeah, we was playing street yeah. hammer, get a rapid, or you know. And I said to Joel, I go, "Can I play you?" I go, "I've never played you." I go, oh, "We need to play, right?" And he just whipped me back and forth, right, um, with his big wire, and and he did very very well over there um, as well. We all did, I think. I think win or loss, I think we all did really really well. Um, yeah, but and Tom got the best painted as well, didn't he? Dude, he's a demon, man. He's a yeah, he's a <laughs> international superstar. 
the golden demon winner. Like he's a very good painter. Um, yeah. And I did him um, because he, I believe he might've gone four, four. I'm sorry if you're listening to this, Tom, and that's not right. But, um, but what I did say to him too, because that is a great result. That's an amazing result. But I did say to him, I said, look, I really hope you win best painted. I said, because I know it means a lot, like a whole lot. Um, and I just want that for you. Right. And he was like, yeah, it does mean a lot. And I said, no, that's why I said it. Like I, it, he loves it. He, he's very passionate about it. He prides himself on it and rightly so. Um, and he did, and he got the result he wanted in regards to his painting. And I'm not sure about gaming, um, but I would certainly be happy with how I did if I was Tom. He played very great. But, yeah, man, knocked it out of the park with that painting, and he always does, like always. He's He's got skills to kill, and like he's – Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> not that, but when you one of his – it's a lot because it's just, it looks amazing. It's, it does. It just – it turns all of the vibrancy up in the game. The immersion just goes up. You know what I mean? It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, awesome. All right, awesome. Well, that was a that was a great wrap up of kind of your experience at Worlds and something I've definitely enjoyed kind of hearing about. And again, I'm I'm stoked that you had a great time and that we were able to be a small part of kind of getting you over there. And um, yeah, we'll certainly I think hopefully be able to send another person next year, sort of when we do slaughter again. Who knows? You might get it again. Um but do you have uh are you have you come back kind of with the with the bug? I wasn't even trying to make a pun there. But um <laughs> <laughs> with the uh, uh the itch I guess to uh to play more have you got any um upcoming events or anything that you are thinking of going to or that you know of that you want to shout out at all? Um well before I answer that, first off, it wasn't a small part that you guys did, right? Like you guys, you know, I no 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 shit talk. Like you guys, I I really appreciate the the Sydney Slaughter event. I thought it was actually the best event I've ever gone to, to be honest. It was so well run. Um, meeting you guys was great. Um, everything was perfect over that event, and the fact that you guys helped me get over there. Um, very, very appreciative. So thank you. Um, what does the future look like for me? Um, I'm looking forward to having a little bit of a break, obviously over Christmas, um, me, uh, sorry, myself and uh, my twin brother, Christian, have got CanCon tickets. Yep. So head to CanCon, I think, um, what will I play? Um, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure yet. I, I think I might want to stick with Iron Jaws. Um, they've got a lot of units that came out. You've got, you know, the Rages, which I've played, but you've got the Morgrunts, the Big Pigs. You've got, um, you know, the Angel Smasher. You've got um, the new Ard Boys. You've got, a, you've got a bunch of toys to play with, and I've got them all. Um, I just need to paint them up. But I don't know. There might be something in, in that. Like I said, I do pride myself on playing Destruction, so no doubt I'll play one of those armies, um, whether it's... You know, it might even just feel like a bit of fun and running Gargans. But, no, I think I'll play Iron Jaws. Um, Christian's going to play with me and um, he's going to no doubt be playing a death faction. I think I'm not sure if Flesh Eater Courts are going to be allowed there, but the the rumblings of Flesh Eater Courts and they're coming out soon and I don't know. I'm sure he's just chomping at the bit to play them. Um, but if not, he'll play a death faction. But, no, it's, it's CanCon at the moment um, and... I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, what next year holds, I guess. Like, um, I kind of just want to, yeah, I, I do have the bug for playing more games. Um, yeah, I just, I, I kind of just want to get back into a tournament and put what I've learned into practice. Um, 
you know, and just see how that's affected my game. Um, what kind of level yeah. my game's been taken to, I guess, or, or knocked down, depending on if I learned the lesson, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, CanCon at this point, and then we'll see what happens next year, I think, just one tournament at a time. Yeah, cool. And you, you mentioned before that there was kind of discussions around potentially like your application for sort of the, the world's team, obviously being a team's event. Is is that something as well? There's there's a few kind of team's events starting to crop up. Obviously, we've got the big one for Australia, certainly kind of Runax every year, but there's a few more that have just recently been announced that are sort of popping up. Is, is teams something that you're sort of interested in doing or anything like that? Good, good, good question. It's it's jogged my memory, and you are right. There was a recent um, announcement for a teams event, um, like a, I believe it's a four man team event, um, uh, like a local one that's coming up that I can actually get to. Um, and I've never done a teams tournament ever. I, I mean, Australia doesn't have a lot of them, right? Or at least compared to a lot of other countries. Um, but no, I'm actually very keen. I'm actually very keen for that, and um, I've reached out to obviously my uh, my twin brother christian um he's my partner in crime we're always we're always you know we're gonna ride together like if if we're playing an event if we're playing a team's event it's no doubt like he's on my team like or i'm not on the team that's how it works um but no it'll be myself and christian and actually tom oliver and and, and joel graham at this point that are, are talking about getting on on our team Spicy. and up and you know and, and and get into it and having a bit of fun so um i believe we are looking forward to that that we've kind of confirmed that's what we want to do um when kind of tickets are released and things will you know we'll aim to get a ticket i i didn't make mention of it i guess because i it depends if i get a ticket right but cancon's already mm. a ticket is that for um is that for blood right in april blood yes. right teams yeah 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 right Correct. I mean, the only other thing that I'd have my eyes on, I mean, I'd love to reapply for the Australia Woods team at some point um, when I can in another year or whenever, you know, whenever I can. Um, if um, if I can and, and when I can, I'll definitely do that. But um, I'd love to play at Masters. Honestly, that's another thing I'd, I'd really love to have an opportunity to do would to to be asked or invited to, to play at Masters. Um, I'd really, really like that opportunity. I think with the going in the current standings, um, I might be 15th or something. Um, and that's, I haven't been to a lot of big tournaments this year. So that's only with three events. Um, but I think I'm 15 at the moment. And, um, you know, if Last Masters was any indication, it's, it's certainly, um, I'm certainly able to get there. Um, you know, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand it, you know, you get invited. If you can't go, go to the next person, next person, next person, and all of yeah. a sudden, you know, it's it's not the top eight. It might be one, four, six, twelve, fifteen, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I've got my eye on that. Um, I'm hoping to do well at CanCon and, and get some um, some points added to my ranking for that and bump myself up up a bit and making it a little bit easier to get to to masters. So that is something I'd like to do. Um, yeah, nice. And, um, you know, I'd love for my brother Christian to be there with me, whether he's playing or accompanying me, because he's a great player too. Like he beats the brakes off me. Like, um, and you know, it's um, great if we could go to one of those really big events together. And that's something I, I would look forward to. 
No, awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think let's um, let's wrap it up there. I might just quickly, um, given that there are those teams events um, and ticket sales go on sale, I think this weekend for both of them, I might just quickly mention them if people are keen. So the first one um, as James, well, actually not the first one. Um, the second one is um, the Blood Right Teams event, which is Liam's running at um, Padstow RSL, which is the Sydney Slaughter venue. Um, so those tickets go on sale on Friday, I think. Um, so tomorrow at time of recording if we can try and get this episode up um pretty quick um, 8th, of, 8th of december friday 8th, 8th, of, 8th december. of december um <laughs> so that's uh yeah that's teams events happening in sydney um which liam's running and then there's another one actually happening in queensland which um matt dale alongside the north the north side alliance um gaming group are putting on um he's just asked if i can kind of shout that out as well and um, they're trying to make it a pretty big event up here to sort of rivals kind of rude axe teams in terms of numbers so sort of 120 ish um so that would be a big big teams event up here in, in queensland um and that's going to be the 9th and 10th of march um and tickets go on sale this sunday so that would be the 10th um of december um for that so oh sorry not quite as big 72 players but still a big big teams event up here so there's a couple of teams events coming up um to look forward to i guess after after cancon which will be cool but um yeah otherwise i think Pretty much everyone who's into AOS in in Australia will see each other at, at CanCon, um, or most people will anyway. I'll I'll certainly be there. I think I don't know actually if there's a golden ticket available for the winner again this year from from CanCon or not. I'll have to find out. But there's potentially a, another tournament to secure a ticket for the next World Champs as well next year. So um, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, there yeah. will be there will be tickets i think so yeah well plural and that'll be fun as well having the top eight kind of cut as well doing the the three-day potential um to get a, a true winner so that'll be pretty cool yeah um i did i've only done one cancon and that was um last year and i had a blast like i couldn't believe how big it was like it was wild um uh, and it was just you know i i'm interested to see how i stand up against um, a lot of those players this time around. Um, I think as we play through this game, you know, year by year, month by month, you know, if you're analysing your losses and you just get better and better and eventually you see um, people at different tables that you haven't played before and the kind of indications are there that, you know, you're, you're learning and you're growing and that's what it's about. So, again, I'm, I've never to the same tournament twice if that makes sense that's why i'm kind of excited to go back to cancon just to see how i do this time is what i'm trying to say yeah yeah i think it'll be cool i definitely think it'll be doing the top eight cut and having those extra three games at the top is definitely going to actually be the best of the best playing each other because like with that many people with the five games you can get you can get a bunny run and, and actually get five wins you definitely can have a different path to victory whereas this year i think with that extra day and those extra three games all of those people are gonna gonna have to play for that that top spot so um yeah well, it's gonna be cool <laughs> yeah you gotta earn it that's funny but yeah no it's it's gonna be good it's gonna be really good i'm looking forward to it um but yeah again thank you very much for having me on here guys like you guys have been absolute gentlemen and uh thank you for getting me over to atlanta and asking me my thoughts no oh, thanks again for coming on um you're most welcome and yeah thanks for your kind words about the event um but yeah thanks for joining us um as always if anyone wants to follow me on twitter they can find me at wounded mortally um mitch are you on are you on the socials if people want to follow your escapades 
I am technically, I, I try and keep a low profile. Um, I am on Facebook um, and I, I do kind of run in a crew um, that's local to me. Um, I play at a store called Dice Arcade, um, which is in Miranda, Sydney. Um, they have like a monthly thing and I'm always there. Um, you know, players like Tom Oliver and, and things like that, we're always there. So you can always find me in a tournament around Sydney. I'm always floating about. Um, if you ever want to drop me um, an email or um, just find me on Facebook, that's fine too. Um, I'm always happy to chat about anything and everything, including Age of Sigma. So, yeah, if you want to pick my brain or ask me any more questions or, you know, just hassle me and call me a cheeky cake stealer, you can do that. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And, um, yeah, um, I've changed, actually changed my Instagram handle to Mortally Wounded. Um, so it's the now the official Mortally Wounded Insta. So, yeah, you'll find me on there. It used to be Duke Cadric, but, yeah, decided just to flip it over, make it official. Nice. Thanks, man. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again, um, and we'll see you on the next show. Thank you very much, boys. Take it easy. You've been listening to Mortally Wounded Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.